Hey, Corey here, and this is Everything is Marketing. Other marketing podcasts might give you the highlight reel or focus on a particular industry, strategy, or tactic, but this podcast explores marketing from every angle and allows you to get inside the head of the guest to really understand who they are and how they think. You shouldn't have to feel weird about sending out your scheduling link. SavvyCal is a new scheduling tool that allows recipients to overlay their calendar right on top of yours. This way, you can find the time in an instant without having to switch back and forth between tabs. You'll love it, whoever you're sending it to will love it, and they'll love you for it as well. Create a free account at SavvyCal.com EIM, and you can also get your first month of a paid account free by using the code EIM. On the show today is Danielle Diamond. Daniel is the founder of Epic Media and former video creator at Drift and User Interviews. I wanted to bring her on because Danielle blends growth marketing with Hollywood creativity, which is a really unique approach. She's directed content for companies like Drift, Privy, DGMG, User Interviews, Boundless, Loom, Snapchat, Rosetta Stone. Really, the list goes on with a lot of impressive companies. She's even worked on the production of Weird Little Flute for Saturday Night Live. So you'll hear about storytelling frameworks for producing content that people actually want to consume, personal brands versus company brands, and creating content that's both inherently valuable and revenue generating for the business. So to start out, I love asking my guests, did you ever think that you'd be doing video content and branded content for companies for a living? Not at all. It was totally <laughs> not the plan. Happened completely by accident. When I was, do you want the story? <laughs> yeah, give me the story. Yeah. Give me the, the lowdown. When I was a kid, like young kid, I was actually, I was totally on the the music path and the performance path. So I was going to Juilliard pre-college as a kid. And so I was doing tons of stuff just in the New York theater scene and that sort of thing. And then on the side, I had this other interest in just technology and computers. I was kind of really nerdy and spent my Saturdays at the Apple store. I learned how to code a little bit, but I saw my interest in creative work and Perf and and in technology as two totally separate things and so I was sort of doing video and creative for a very long time throughout my entire life but totally separately hmm. and then I started to do a friend of mine his father is a big producer um he, so he started doing some short films and I and I was just you know on the performance side of that I was acting in the short films but seeing the the narrative film process I realized oh hey all that stuff with the camera and all that stuff that you're doing in editing, I already know how to do that. And then I sort of made the connection of, oh my God, all this technology stuff and me playing with computers and cameras, that's actually a really creative thing. That's not just a technology thing. There's, there's a huge creative element there. And so I went into college with, with a vocal performance major and because of, of discovering this, ended up switching to film production and for the longest time was was focused just on on the narrative side of film production and i still do a ton of of narrative work you know pre-covid was doing some stuff on broadway i just shot something for snl so i still and am actively involved in the narrative world but but that was my oh but but then so i changed my major to film and then my my in, in between my junior and senior year of college, I was like, okay, I'm going to get some sort of job or internship. I'm going to do it either in film or theater. And I went and I applied and I had some offers and every single one of those offers were unpaid. And I unfortunately was not one of those kids who could afford to live in New York or LA without a paycheck. And who so can? I said, yeah, <laughs> a, surpri places. a surprising amount of people with parents oh, who pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
So I decided, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find something that is super creative to do for the summer that will give me hands-on experience, but that will also pay me to do it. And then mm. I came across a job opening at a company called Drift that anyone in the B2B world is probably familiar with. They were looking for a video hire for the summer. I ended up joining the team for the summer. Long story short, I basically ended up staying there for the rest of the year and and finished my my classes at night for for my senior year and, and just kind of worked during the year and that's really how I got my start in doing branded content and I, and I found that I really loved it because it was so incredibly creative right comparing that to starting out on a PA like being a PA on a narrative set there was just so much more creativity and I felt like my my learning just 10x by doing work for brands instead of trying to, you know, mm. go PA on, on, you know, a Spielberg film. Like I was able to actually physically hold the camera and, and practice composition and, and, and work on that storytelling and have full creative control over what I was doing. And, and because of that, I kind of really fell in love with it. And then from there... I actually, then I, I post, post drift, I moved back to New York, which is where I'm from and was the director of marketing at like a bigger production company where they focused on like really just well shot, high quality content. And I absolutely hated it because mm. every single production company, they're so focused on the visuals and on the production side of things, but they have absolutely no knowledge of business or marketing strategy and so, so they create these really nice pieces of content that do nothing for their clients and i couldn't stand that and then on the flip side there are these agencies right that would deliver a great strategy and a really pretty looking pitch deck but then you'd have to go and pay someone another hundred thousand dollars to go and execute on all of that and the system just seemed so broken i was like this mm. makes no sense and and while i was working at that production company because of the work that i did at drift i was getting a lot of inquiries from other other companies in the b2b space that were like oh hey you're the girl that did all the all the videos at drift yeah like are you available for freelance work like are, are you taking on any clients like are you, are you doing work on your own right now and and i was like oh yeah you know what i guess i could do that and so like, i just I'll sort squeeze of, you in <laughs> yeah i just sort of said yes to to what came my way and, and eventually it got to a point where I was just getting so many inquiries that it didn't make sense to not start a company around it because it seemed like there was just such a need in the market for a creative agency that understood this Hollywood level production quality that combined with that marketing strategy and really starting mm. with the with the goal and strategy in mind. Yeah, man, there's a lot to unpack there. I want to visit kind of like a few of those spots if we can. Oh, going back to Drift really quick. Yeah. One, I didn't know that that was like the first sort of like professional experience, if you want to call that, quote unquote. Yeah. So hats off to you for managing to pull it up because, yeah. you know, Drift was in hyper growth mode. And I'm sure it was scary and overwhelming and probably had like a lot of big asks. But I'm also just curious, like, did that seem weird that like a B2B software startup was asking you to make all this video content and sort of be a part of their team in a, in a media function. Totally. It's something I had never in my life thought about. I like, <laughs> I had never connected the dots that companies need creative too. And, and the great thing about drift too, right. Is, is I think one of the reasons why they hired me is they wanted someone who wouldn't just make nice content. They wanted someone that was really story focused. And that was mm. super appealing to me is that these B2B companies now are starting to see the value 
in high quality storytelling and in narrative storytelling and 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 as is our motto at epic media don't be the ad be the tv show and sort of coming at it with that approach and so it was it was just eye-opening to me that like this was a thing that companies wanted and 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 it was a thing that i could do as a career (laughs) i just didn't know about it (laughs) i love it i love it so much so what did actually what did the work look like at drift i know i think you were working with the podcast seeking wisdom i remember there was a couple of sort of like uh, product launch slash like commercials. I think one was around. I remember one specifically. It was like sort of like a, a store setting. Am, am I? Yes, am that's I remember, my favorite remember one. That correctly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So tell me, just like what was the work like? Like what kind of things did you actually produce for them? Yeah. So my, I remember my first week. I had started off. We were they were just launching hypergrowth, and so they kind of started me smaller on little things. I was I was working under Amy Ahrens and Dave Gerhardt. I always joke that I got my MBA in marketing from Dave Gerhardt. Um, <laughs> the, I, at first, they had me just sort of learning graphic design a little bit better, learning just the brand and the brand voice. And so they started me on smaller projects, right? So I started with like Instagram posts, social content. And then the big thing too was seeking wisdom, right? So I would sit in, I, I sort of redesigned how that was shot to make it a little bit higher production quality. And then I would go in and edit it. And then eventually we started this thing where we said, hmm, there's a lot of great content in here. I wonder if 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 people would be interested in like a little clip from it on social media. And so we, mm. we created this thing called the social clip. <laughs> and so we started doing that and that's sort of, sort of where I was starting. And then basically as it ramped up, Amy, then he was he was doing a lot of more of the product launchy video, but she she's someone who's a designer at heart. Said, you know what? Why don't Danielle? Why don't you go do some of these product videos so I could do some some more of the stuff that I love? And so slowly, then I started doing some product videos. A lot of them in in collaboration with Amy, who's just amazing. And so we did some some product videos. I'd go around the office. I'd write scripts up for people, or I would just have people straight up talk and and have them say what they felt about the product. And then they started to let me have some real fun. And that was with these narrative style commercials. And, and these, I think, were the things that really made the brand stand out and, and took them to the next level, truly. I remember I got a, I think, I think I got a Slack message from Dave at some point. I could be remembering this wrong, but I think he, I got a message from Dave and he said, hey, I want to do something fun. I want to do like a commercial, but like a real commercial you're a screenwriter, right? And I was like, yep, that's what I do. And he was like, here's the basic idea. Here's like a, the concept that I think I want to run with. Write a script and send it to me. And so I did. I wrote a script. We had, we had three little scripts. I sent it to Dave. And then then he, he basically said, yep, this is it. And then basically me and Amy spent the next month building an entire set in the office. We built what looked like a, a store it kind of looks like a progressive commercial. We built it in the back office of yeah. Drift. We built a full set, you know, tons of custom assets. And and then just one weekend we came in, we shot the whole thing and put it together and, and people really loved it. it. It got hundreds of thousands of organic views. We did not even 
put a spend a dime on paid advertising on it. I actually I heard someone came back to me and said someone was talking about your videos at this at this panel at this conference. Like so people were like I, it was getting back to me that people were were watching it and and it be, it was really this like light bulb moment of oh people don't want boring you know, here's our product content all the time. Those are great for product launches. But what people really want, if you want to build a brand, is they want something funny. They want something they can relate to. They want something with a story, which, you know, happened to perfectly align with I, with what I want to do professionally because I like, you know, narrative stuff and, and comedic stuff and, and screenwriting and telling stories. And then from there, um, we did a little bit more. We also did one that was a little more serious. It was in the style of like a Nike commercial. And then oh, we yeah. did one that was also, and then that one performed so well that, that we went and sort of did the same thing, but with yoga. Mm -hmm. And so that was, those were really sort of the key pieces of, of what I did at Drift and, and the, the key learnings. And it just really, it taught me so much about what works and what doesn't and what people respond to and what they don't. And, and I was very fortunate to be in an environment with the, with, you know, a VP of marketing and, and a creative lead and, and a CEO who were so sold on brand and so willing to try these things that no one in b2b had ever tried before right yeah just to have that kind of creative freedom and confidence and even like the yeah. psychological safety of knowing that if you end up this flops you know we'll be okay exactly but one of the so yeah it's amazing one of the things that really uh, i think kind of stands out is what you're calling narrative production basically being able to mm -hmm. take a concept and create a story and something to shoot off of basically, right? Where it's this entire kind of concept with a setting and, but can you watch, like what is narrative production? Like what is, you had also said something earlier about there's kind of these two different types of companies where, you know, they'll create these really, you know, great pieces of content that are like technically really sufficient, but they don't have the story that drives people to take action. And then you might have the vice versa, right? Where it's like a great story, but not high value production. But talk me through like the narrative side of things. How do you actually craft something that that's interesting and novel and entertaining as well yeah so here's here's there's there's a line from dan kennedy and it's funny because for, i think it's from the ultimate sales letter i could be totally wrong so don't quote me on this but he says something along along the lines of don't try to be funny leave the comedy to the comedians mm. um and that's kind of why my company exists is because we are the comedians and so that's sort of the first thing, right, is the biggest mistake that I see is companies go and they say, okay, we know our value proposition. We know our brand story. We know what people respond to. Let's have our copywriter go write up a script and we'll put something together. And that always fails. It comes off as cheesy. Like the people in your company are not actors. Your copywriter is not a screenwriter. It's a totally different ballpark and the type of storytelling and how that story needs to be executed is going to be totally different so unless you're 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 being super like if you're super scrappy and you have absolutely nothing else go ahead and try it yourself but but if you have resources my like honestly go and and hire someone whether it's you know epic media or any other production company that has real screenwriters at the company go and hire someone to help you because it will make a huge difference. And, and sort of here's the, here's the process for how that works, right? The first thing is understanding the problem that people are coming to your website for, because that's the biggest thing is this piece, this narrative piece is not going to be all about 
how amazing your product is because again that's not that interesting no one's gonna necessarily relate to that that's what your your talking head video product launch video is for what this piece is for is to connect with people on the problem and so the first thing is just understanding the problem then what we'll usually do is is we'll talk with the client right and we'll say hey like let's chat about this problem tell me just exactly what people are saying why do people buy your product at all like what's the problem that they're having that makes them go i want this like that's really the core there that's the story and and then from there honestly i i wish i had a, a great answer for how do you come up with a great creative concept and the answer is i have a team of of professional screenwriters and playwriters that we we sit in a room or, or in these days on a zoom call and we sort of mm -hmm go back and forth and we go, okay, well, this could be a cool idea or, or this is a great analogy to this, right? It's like, okay, maybe something with superheroes or, oh, this would be really funny if it was in a, or like with Drift, right? It was, imagine if this was the buying experience in person, how absolutely absurd that would be. And it's hmm. sort of taking that and finding the humor in it, finding the satire in it, finding the right analogy that really connects to it. Um, and then from there, just writing a script, making sure the dialogue isn't cheesy, making sure it's it's short and snappy and to the point. Your video should not be three minutes long. I, I try to keep everything two minutes and below. One minute is my happy spot, you know, sometimes a minute 30. And that's that's really how we do it. And then from there, we, you know, we have a network of professional actors that we use. I think that's really important is getting professional actors if you if you want your your ad to look more like a tv show than an ad then you need to to have the people in it that know what it's like to act in a tv show and so that's been a big thing and then just professional production right making it look that that high quality like you're not gonna sh this is not the type of thing you want to shoot in an iphone actually i'll show you this is this is what we oh it's heavy but this is what we shoot on a hefty piece of equipment right there yeah so you know it's it's this is what they shoot you know actual movies on and like getting having the right equipment and knowing how to mostly knowing how to use it right because you can shoot something great in a dslr if you really know how to use it right and so mm -hmm. that's sort of the process behind it it's it's the same pr process that we basically use the same process that we use when we're shooting our personal passion project short films or when you know we're shooting we shot for snl two weeks ago like we, we we do a similar process there except for a little more organized <laughs> and 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 it's 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 all that same sort of process we've, we've really taken that production process that works in the narrative world and and transferred it to the b2b world i hope i hope that answers yeah. the question yeah it's a little yeah. long-winded well, there's a lot to it <laughs> no, no 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 nothing long-winded here that's what podcasts are for but one, one of the things i'm wondering is like is there a specific formula or style or pattern to what you see works for for brands rather than just like any old you know type of video or company or even like maybe a more traditional you know commercials you'd see like on tv or hulu or like what, what is it you, you mentioned like you know it's around a minute you have like you, you have this kind of process but what is usually the style of the video that you see works really well and kind of has that viral effect yeah, the style that I see work really well, it's short and sweet and to the point, and it focuses on the problem instead of the solution. I think that's the biggest thing, is making fun of the problem. Hmm. Um, and you know what, that way it's like, it's not really about you, it's just the whole point, it's that top of funnel touch point 
to that that makes it really shareable because then once you start getting into here's who we are here's our product here's how we can solve this people are, are not necessarily going to share that unless you're like apple which most of us are not apple and then the other thing is oh what was the other thing the other thing is just making sure it's really creative and just finding finding that like really fun, interesting, creative way to connect to people, right? So we just did one for a company and also knowing your audience, right? So we we did one uh, for a company recently who works in the shipping industry. And you might think that sounds like the most boring possible thing. And even they were like, this is boring. How do we make this fun? And we found, and, and so we did talk a little bit throughout the process about like, who is your audience? And this is something that the CEO brought up that I thought was an excellent point is like, originally we were thinking, okay, like out of date, we could do something like colonial, like that could be really funny and really just make overdo it, make it over the top satirical. I think satire is a big thing to play off of. But then he was like, you know what? Our audience, it's, they're, they're the type of people who like, watch a lot of sports there it's a very male audience it's a very like sports fan type of audience and so we said you know what yeah let's let's take what they already like and use that in the video and so we did like a sports newscaster type of thing and and we kind of turned it into like a fake sport and it was funny because it was like signing papers is not a sport but but we we <laughs> elevated it to the point where it seemed like it was a sport and it turned into like a fight and it, and it turned out really funny yeah and so there's and then and then again like so we did one too for a company called user interviews and for for this audience we're like okay what are the types of shows that these people might watch and a big one that stood out to us was the office and so so we kind of took that office style and shot it like in the style of the office. And the whole premise was like spinning this wheel to figure out how to pick your next product feature. Cause the whole point of the company is like people are guessing at how to build this product. And at the end of it, there was this absolutely ridiculous product and it was just, it performed super well. Website conversions increased when they, when they posted it, they, they got tons of buzz about it on product hunt. So that's one to check out too, but it's just, it's figuring out, okay, what is our audience going to find funny? What are they already watching? And how do we mm. sort of take that and connect what we have to say to what they find funny? I love that. That makes me so happy. Like these are like my favorite types of like things and that like, content just because I just, I'm like so impressed. I think that I'm like a connoisseur. Like my wife, if you ask her, she'll like if you look at our like Instagram DM feed, it's just like her sending me like funny Instagram ads that she sees because I just like love that kind of stuff. And I'll like pause Hulu commercials and just like write it down just because that's amazing stuff. But what's standing out to me is that you start with with who the person is that you're ultimately trying to reach. And then you're finding some sort of like common ground around like what is this, totally. what's familiar to this person and what is like a thread that we can keep pulling. And so with the shipping, right, like you said, like the sport and I was actually, I was going to bring up the office because it reminded me of like, there's, there's kind of no such thing as like a boring industry or space and actually totally. that maybe plays your favor. 100, like make fun of, like have an, un that's the biggest thing too, right? Is like understand if if you are maybe not the most exciting product in the world which most b2b products i hate to break it to everyone are not like right. make fun of it it's okay to make mm. fun of yourself it's okay to really like overdo it 
use satire don't be afraid to offend like like go over the top with it yeah i love that so much and one of the other things so i wanted to just touch on it really briefly was you mentioned how it's kind of like this catching lightning in a bottle scenario where when you're first starting out you're brainstorming ideas you you know, hop in a room or these days a zoom call and then you just kind of like is you do you just start spitting out ideas do you each like have a homework assignment of like okay we're, we're each going to like come and be ready to pitch a couple of ideas or do you sit around looking at a certain set of things people say or information from the client yeah so basically at every client meeting i i open my apple notes and i just type up the things that i think are important and then i share that with the team and then we basically just sit on a Zoom call. Sometimes we'll even just like be texting each other. Sometimes it can be that informal where it's, it's so like, fun. yeah, where it's just like, how about this? What about this? Until we find a couple ones that were like, oh, yeah, that's it. And so we try to make it just fun and creative and informal. I, we don't do it as I, I hate the idea of like, and, I'm, and I know that this, this is how a lot of like traditional agencies do it is like, we're going to come into a meeting and every person is going to pitch their top three ideas of what they think we could do. And I hate that for mm, a few reasons. The first is like, I think that takes the fun out of it, right? You're going to get the best, most creative ideas when you're actually having fun with what you're doing. And the second thing is collaboration. The best ideas really do come from bouncing ideas off of each other and hearing what one person has to say will trigger an idea in another person, which will trigger an idea in my mind, which will trigger idea in another, like, you know what I mean? It, it builds mm. off of each other. And so I think having everyone sitting in their own isolated bubble, trying to come up with ideas on their own, doesn't, doesn't really work. And I think the reason why, why these ideas end up being so fun and creative is just because we're creating an environment where it's collaborative and we're having fun and, and feeling like we're really creating together. And we try to really approach it as if we were writing a screenplay or a, or a play. And, and, and that is that is our process for when we are doing those passion projects. And we just sort of take that and transfer it over to the commercial and B2B world. Hmm. Yeah, that's... That's a good one. When uh, I want to get a little bit more tactical into like the type of content and we can get into yeah. storytelling and all that sort of stuff. But I'm also wondering, you had mentioned earlier, this is what I like had written down exact quotes. I was you having your website, don't be the ad, be the TV show, which I think is like top 10 best uh, headlines of all time for me personally. I just like love that and like so well encapsulates every, I, th like, I hope you keep that forever just because I love it. And it's like sentimental Thank to you. me now. How did you come up, come up with that? Where did that come from? That's and like, you know, why does that encapsulate everything that you do? I think I just spent a lot of time. I think it was an idea that came to me when I was working at Drift was that the stuff that was performing best just didn't feel like, like, act, like an actual commercial. And it dawned on me that like, I click skip ad most of the time and people don't really like commercials and no one really likes being sold to. And mm -hmm. so I think just from that idea just came the thought of, you know, what if we just created things people actually wanted to watch? <laughs> and, and so we, t I got the opportunity to really test that out at Drift. And I think that, that line, I don't really, I honestly can't remember where it came from or how it came to me, but it just sort of did. And, 
and I sort of just have stuck with it because it seems to really resonate with people. And that's just sort of the motto that we live by. Yeah, I love it. So getting into the types of content that you do produce and maybe even like what you would recommend for other people, like just video in general, you know, what are the different types of content you have kind of like these one time sort of, you know, I don't know like what the right word is for. I'm not, not really like, like a commercial, but you know, like a one minute kind of uh, yeah. narrative driven video, but like, are there other types of content? Like, how do you think about the different things that you offer and ultimately what companies should do? Yeah. So I think the main things that we offer and really what we're shifting to doing much more of and kind of turning down a lot of the other stuff, to be honest, is, is we're focusing mostly on that narrative style content and those product videos. Those are those like bigger evergreen pieces of content that are going to live on your website that you can turn into these targeted ad campaigns, that sort of thing. That That's the fun stuff. And that's the, that's what's going to make mm-hmm. you stand out as a brand. Um, the, the second type of content, though, is and you know there's also testimonials you need social proof that's that's very important the second type of content is educational and these perform super well but you need to be consistent with it the those are those little social clips that you know you post on linkedin you post on twitter wherever your audience is and it's those little snippets of wisdom and information that really establish you and your company as the experts as something in the industry. And the people that are gonna wanna buy your product, hopefully, want that information and they're gonna keep coming to you specifically to get that daily or weekly knowledge from you. And, And so that educational piece is super important and that's really where the value of a podcast comes in is is not even necessarily the podcast itself it's those little tiny clips those video clips that you can pull from that podcast and post on the internet to give people a minute of value that they're going to remember and take into their day and think about and then want to come back for more Hmm. yeah i want to get into each one of those so starting with the the kind of product satire you know launch kind of videos what are the different types of those like is there you know you have like the explainer video you might have like one for a specific feature or launch or announcement is this something that you should do like on a monthly or quarterly or annual basis like i'm talking about the the cadence kind of the uses for those types of videos yeah so at drift we did it monthly it should really be whenever you have something big to announce if it's a new feature if it's just some sort of if it's a big product announcement if you're changing something something big that your customers would actually care about that's the big thing right like if you changed your brand colors i don't think anyone's gonna care to be quite honest i wouldn't make a video about that but if you're just like here we have this new product feature like we're launching drift abm um here it is, here's what you can do with it, here's why we created it. That is when a product launch is the perfect time to release that video because A, you can have that video then to just live on that product page till the end of time until you change the product. And then B, it's the perfect way to introduce the product to the world, right? So instead of saying, here, click on this blog post to read all about our new product feature because no one's gonna do that, If you have this fun, catchy video with an actual person talking and things popping up, people are going to watch it. Um, And and the great thing about that, too, right, is you can embed that natively into 
LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram or Facebook or wherever it is that you're living and those native posts perform way better than if you're just posting a blog link. Every single person in your company can go and post that video with some copy and say, hey, we just launched this new feature. And it's a minute, minute and a half. People can go and watch that. And even better, you have this whole email list of customers. If you really, it's important to keep your customers updated on the product. If you want them to know there's this new amazing product feature, you know, they're already paying for the product. You just made the product even better for them. It's a perfect way to send them that information in a way that's super digestible, quick to watch. You're only going to take up a minute and a half of their time and they, they can spend that time watching that video. It's, it's a much it, there's much less friction in a video than saying, here, read this blog post about these new features or read this whole product page because I don't know about you, but I get bogged down by that much copy. You know, there's so mm -hmm. much going on in everyone's day to day that just clicking a minute video and, and having the information just come at you in an easy way is just so much easier. Yeah. Something I've been thinking about more recently is what's the best medium and format for this type of content? And you know, and, and then you take like all the different types of content that you create. And sometimes there, there are things like, like you said, like product announcements and it's like, well, it, maybe it's just like a little blurb in the change log, or maybe it's a video because it's like, like you said, really, really easy to digest. And given what people want to learn, that's the best format for it. I probably wouldn't announce new features in a podcast format. And I probably, no. a blog post is maybe like too long and it's maybe like, too much friction to get people there and then to, you know, it's a lot of reading involved and it's kind of too high stakes, but blog posts and podcasts are great mediums for other type of content, right? So it's more just kind of totally. fitting, but video is one of those things that is overlooked by a lot of people because mm -hmm. uh, they feel like it's a lot of, uh, a lot of work. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, it's the, be it's truly the best way to get the message across, right? You have a person talking, so it's very personal. You can have elements of the product pop up or even like a drop down with a little screen record because you know that's so much more appealing than here's our 10 minute product demo of this new feature that I recorded on yeah. Loom for you. Like no one's watching that. And so that specific type of video that's like a minute, minute and a half that explains it is I can promise you the best format to announce a new feature. And it's so native to all the platforms that everyone is already living on. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. So we, we have the, the big videos, you know, launches, announcements, things like that. And then we have kind of the social clips, the, the pieces, the, the smaller bits that you kind of take out of a video or that maybe are, are part of a larger video. This is one of the things I've been thinking about is what are your thoughts on creating native content for a platform like LinkedIn or Instagram or, or even YouTube versus repurposing content for different types of platforms? Does that make sense? Like you, you could take a, a video podcast like this, for example, and I could maybe just kind of like repurpose it across a couple of other platforms and post them here and there. Or I could create versions of this content for those types of platforms. So the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is, is, is you, ha you have to do a little bit of both, right? Like the great, th that's what I love about podcasts, right? It's the perfect medium to be able to repurpose it for everywhere. A podcast can be turned into a blog post. It can be turned into social clips. It can be turned into a YouTube video. And so because of that, like record this as a podcast, 
make sure you get video. But then as you are repurposing, make sure when you do repurpose it, that you are optimizing for that specific platform. So for example, we're recording this podcast right now, right? There's video involved. Don't just cut out that little minute clip from, from you know, Riverside and, and just post it directly on LinkedIn. You have to optimize it for LinkedIn. You need to have a little bit of branding, some color that will stand out. You have to have, this is the key thing, is a really catchy headline that's going to make people want to go and click on it. Captions are essential because no one scrolls through LinkedIn with their sound on. Um, mm -hmm. And then when it comes to YouTube, you could actually, YouTube, it's a little easier with these things, right? Where you could kind of just post it almost as is. I would personally add a little bit of branding, a little bit of color, maybe some sort of formatting to just make it seem a little higher quality. It's probably not going to perform quite as well as a standard, like, I'm a, I'm, you know, a YouTuber talking to you. I'm Mr. Beast making a, a video specifically for YouTube, but it, it could perform well for your audience. And, and, you know, just, just having, you know, five of the right people watch it can make a difference. And so it's definitely worth throwing up there. You know, it's another place for people to find you. And so that's the big thing is, is take that piece of content, repurpose it as much as you can, right? Get the most leverage out of it as you can. Just make sure you're optimizing for the platforms you are repurposing for. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now for most of us like myself who are not video pros and who it's a little bit scary and it's kind of overwhelming right. and it feels like a lot of work and maybe isn't like, you know, a creative outlet for us personally, mm -hmm. we wouldn't do it as a hobby. Like, what do you know about video that the rest of us don't? Like, what are like the, the really the things that set you apart from the newbies like me? In terms of like social clips in particular? Yeah, or just, I mean, anything in general, to be honest, the way that you create the video, like the video format, editing, production, it's a very open-ended question, but I wanted to see yeah. what would come top of mind oh, for there's, you. Oh, there's tons of things, right? The first thing is, I want to talk about social clips first, because I think that that's the one that I think yeah. can any company, no matter what stage, can be doing. My first thing that I always tell people is, even if you don't have the money or resources to optimize or edit or do anything... It's better to post it than to not like mm. post the even if you can't brand it and you can't do the headlines and you can't do the captions just just post it anyway get started and try to get a little bit of traction and then when you have the money that's when you go and invest the 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 second thing i'll say is that probably one of the most important parts of that video is going it when you do have maybe the resources to get it a little bit nicely edited is is the headline 90% of the time, if not more, we have clients send us suggest suggested headlines. We almost always change it <laughs> because mm. most of mm. the times those headlines are, are, it's almost, they're too close to it, right? You need to make sure your headline is super specific. Make sure that the audience will know exactly what you're talking about. Really target it to who you're talking to and, and make sure that it's like something that's clickable, right? Really find that line between clickbait 
and delivering actual value. So like, it's okay if you're, don't be afraid to have a clickbaity headline so long as the content itself delivers on what that headline says it's going to deliver. Hmm. So that's sort of a big thing there. In terms of regular video content, if you're film, if you buy a DSLR, <laughs> if you buy, if you buy, I know a lot of companies right now they're saying, oh, we'll buy a DSLR and make our video look nice, and it usually kind of just looks like crap. The camera you buy is not going to make your video look better. You can buy a DSLR, and yes, it will improve the quality. Make sure that video is eye-lined. So as I am right now, like make sure it's eye-lined. Either frame yourself in like thirds, so you're on one third of the frame with something interesting going on here, or maybe your center frame with a backdrop. A big mistake I see people make is they film like right against a white wall because they think, oh yeah, it's a plain wall. That'll be great. Terrible. That's the opposite of what you want to do. You really want to have depth in your image. So stand as far away from a wall as possible. The easiest thing you can do, and you want to have stuff, some stuff going on in the background, right? Like, get, I have these plants here. These are fake plants because they look good for production. Like, yeah. like buy yourself some, some color for your image is, is sort of the, is sort of another thing there. And then the next thing is it's great if you have, if you just invested in a really nice camera, but it's going to do nothing for you if you don't have good lighting. The most basic thing you can do is buy a soft box to have a nice big key light on your face. Right now I have a, an aperture key light going on right here. I have a hair light. A hair light makes your head pop from the background a little bit. So it makes the subject pop. And then I have mm. just like a little pops of color here and there. I had a light there that died. This is actually just a light that I have. It's a headache lamp because I'm prone, prone to headache. It's a green light, but it looks really nice. So I just keep it right here. So like add pops of color places. Lighting is really going to make much more of a difference than the camera that you use. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What about, I know that the guys at Drift are really into frameworks and sort of mental models. And I'm curious if you had any, even just like principles or, but really frameworks or mental models around storytelling that you use to craft videos and narratives and, and drive stories. I, yes. So there is a framework that I use, um, specifically, actually, let me pull it up. So I have the exact framework. Cause this one yeah. is so useful that I think every single person who every, any, every single person who wants to make social content, if you are a founder looking to talk about stuff, if you are someone who's starting to post content on LinkedIn, use this framework and it will make your content 10 times better. A lot of the times I see people rambling on about topics and it sort of goes nowhere. You're not really sure what it's about. Use this framework and, and it will help. So it's a three step, step framework. Number one is point. What is the one thing that I am trying to get across? So start by stating your point so people know what to expect because this is a very short clip and you want them to stick around. So one, state your point. Number two is proof. So this is where you can use stats, examples, stories, tell a story that relates to that point that's gonna really get it across. That's like, oh yeah, okay, that point is real because look at all this proof that they have. And then number three, is action. 
what is the action that you want your viewers to take based on this point that you just made? And so follow those three steps when you're trying to get a point across and your videos will do so much better. Works wonders. Mm. I love it. That's an amazing, amazing framework. I'm going to, this will be one of the clips that we'll create is how to make your social content 10 times better with just one simple framework. Mm Um, for anyone who, for, is really like investing in video and yeah. maybe those, you know, whether it's social videos or maybe they want to take a stab at making, you know, a commercial style video that's a little bit more, you know, high quality and produce and has a really kind of strong narrative. Is it worth all the cost and time and, and investment? Like, how do you think through kind of like what makes sense to do and what doesn't make sense given the goals of, of a given company or person? Yeah. So I would say if you are just starting out, if you have no audience at all, if you have no clue how to do distribution, if no one is watching and no one has bought your product yet, do not spend $50,000 on a commercial. Mm. (laughs) That's I and I, I always I will sometimes tell customers, hey, like, I want you to get ROI on this. I want you to see results on this. I don't think you're ready for this. However, if you have some sort of audience or platform, if you have a really established customer base that loves you, if you have a founder with a following or a platform, that's a big one. If people are really starting to pay attention to your company, if you have, if you're solving a problem that tons of people really relate to, that is when it is 100% worth it to spend a bunch of money to make this big commercial because it's going to give you that extra brand effect that you're looking for and that's that's what make that's what made drift drift right that's what all these these mm-hmm. great companies take apple even you know they they are not interested in saying here's our here's how this is built here's our product per se like They're all about story and building a brand. Now, the tough thing is if you are a CMO or a CEO who is so like, so that that, that will not do anything that you cannot measure, then you just are not going to be able to build a brand. Brand can be hard to measure. The best way I, I tend to measure brand is organic search is a good one and is revenue increasing if your organic search if people are actually searching you and going to you and if your revenue is increasing then your brand is increasing and a big tell too right is is listening on some sales calls something that we would get all the time at drift is oh yeah i listened to your podcast did we have a formal way of measuring the podcast absolutely not did the podcast help build the brand 100%. We would be walking down the Copley Mall where our office was at the time and people would point at us and go, hey, it's the Seeking Wisdom guys. Like that's building a brand. So don't try to measure everything. But if you are at the point where you have an audience and a story to tell, I'm telling you, like invest in telling that story because it will be worth it. Hmm. Yeah, the the brand... I mean, it's so powerful because it really is like catching lightning in a bottle where 
when yeah. you have it, you know, you have it because it's, it's, it's obvious, right? You're yeah, getting pointed out in the streets and the malls and people are telling you they heard about you, you know, on podcasts or that they're, you know, that they're a big fan possibly, but when you don't have it, you really don't have it. Right. And it can mm-hmm. be hard. Do you have any thoughts or, or ideas about kind of that awkward in between stage where maybe that you've been investing in stuff for a while and you're trying to build a brand, but it's not really apparent that it's, it's there that you have it or that it's working. Do you continue on? Do you pivot? Do you, you know, change things? How do you think about it? I would say pivot, take a look at what content has worked and what content is not right. Here's, here's how I see. So social media is like the gateway to building a brand. It's, it's the ultimate feedback loop. So post things on Twitter. And the great thing, I love Twitter and here's why, is because you can type out something super quickly and tweet it and see if people react to it or not. And mm-hmm. and also I recommend doing this on, not on a company account, but on a the, the founder Twitter. Do these things from personal accounts because the best way to build a brand is through the people at your company, not your company account. Your company account is not what's going to build the brand. That, hmm. you know, really energetic CEO is going to build the brand or, or, you know, that that VP of marketing that does those walking, talking head videos is going to build the brand. That person that tweets a lot is going to build the brand. Posting from your company page all the time, post on the company page definitely because that's a lot of social proof, right? When they see your CEO posting and then go to click on the company page, it sort of acts like a news ticker of, oh yeah, they've got all this stuff going on. Here's a bunch of content for me to check out. Oh, look, they just launched this new product. I'm gonna I'm gonna click on that, see what that's about. So post it there. But the brand is built by the people in the company. And so that's really where Love to that. start. And and then with social content, like just keep testing, tweet something, make a video on something. If people respond, go, all right, this, let's do more of this. Let's find 10 more ways to say this, or let's expand upon this. Let's take that little, that tweet and turn it into a one minute video. Let's take that one minute video and turn it into a, an ebook or a course or some, or some sort of lead magnet, right? So that's the way to do it. Or on the flip side, if you put out a bunch of content and absolutely no one's responding to it and, and it's getting, you know, no engagement, no one seems to care, then clearly that's not the right content. That's when you need to say, okay, let's pivot. How, maybe people really don't care about this the way we thought they do. Let's, let's start testing out some other angles. Let's position this differently. Let's take a different approach and see if that works better. And that's the great thing about social is it's that ultimate feedback loop to figure out what do people want to hear about? What do they want to learn about? What do they care about? What problems are, are they relating to? The great thing about that is you can use that for not all, for your company brand, you can use that on your sales pages and product positioning. And then ultimately you can use that in your bigger brand campaigns and those, in those, you know, comedic style videos. Once you really know, okay, this is the problem people have. We know people have this problem. We're going to invest in getting people to connect to this problem on a higher level. Yeah. Yeah. What's something on the horizon, maybe like an emerging technology or tactic or trend that has you excited or even just curious? It's interesting that you said technology because I get asked, this this is a little more of a tangent. I get asked all the time, 
especially in the DGMG group. How do you make like what software do you use? Or especially before people knew it was me, right? Like like what software did you use to make this? And the answer is, you know, I use a combination of Premiere, I use After Effects, I use Sketch, I use a whole bunch of different softwares that do different things to make what I need to happen happen. The answer is technology cannot replicate creativity. So from a video standpoint, you cannot rely on a new technology to create a video that's going to work. And that's like the difference between using headliner for your social clips and hiring an actual person to really optimize it and make it work. So that's a big thing, right? There's what I am excited about in the world of video is how accessible, amazing quality equipment has become. Anyone can buy a DSLR and if you learn how to use it right and if you learn how to light things correctly and if you learn how to tell stories, you can make something amazing. Like when I was at Drift, we were not shooting on this red camera with this fancy cook lens. Like we had, we were using Canon DSLRs. Eventually I made them get some Blackmagic equipment because I was a big fan of Blackmagic, still am. But it's really accessible to get equipment that can make your 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 content look much more professional so long as you do the work to learn how to use it. Hmm. And the biggest yeah. thing that I'm excited about in the world of B2B is that people are waking up to the fact that their content is really boring and <laughs> are are looking to really invest in brand and creativity because creativity is without a doubt the number one advantage that you have in marketing today. Yeah, people are finally have an appetite for it, right? It's not just yeah. like a, you know, a grudge or they're coming in really skeptical, but they're actually eager for it. And um, yeah, they're and, like, oh, they we need it. this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about any favorite brands or campaigns that you've personally worked on? Or they kind of come to mind as like, man, this is, you know, just like a kind of chef's kiss of something really proud of or just something you thought was funny or, you know, interesting, different than the rest of them? Yeah, I think there's there's three in my career so far. And I'm doing actually there's there's one I'm shooting on Sunday that I have a feeling is going to be the one. It's it's for DGMG jobs. So so keep a, a lookout for that. I have a feeling that that's going to yeah. be the one to kind of take a look at. Um, very excited for that one. The the progressive commercial style ones at Drift were re were really like a big one for me because it was like really the first that that had ever really been done in the b2b world and so that's one that i constantly go back to the thing that i love about those is that they are all under a minute and that is hard to do and so that's something that that i definitely recommend checking out if you're looking for examples user interviews if you go to userinterviews.com their homepage video that's one that we did it's in the style of the office. It will make you laugh, I promise. <laughs> and I thought that one was really great because they also were, were that CEO was re was really ready to just take a risk and say, you know what, let's just do let's do something really funny. Because actually, originally, they were thinking something a little more traditional, and then they they had to change their heart and said, you know what, like no no, we want to build a brand. We want to connect with people. We are we have a personality because they are a company with such a personality. And they're like, mm. let's let's go for it. Let's do something funny. It, it worked like a charm. Like, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the exact numbers, but there were significant increases in website conversions when they launched 
they, they had launched a page on product hunt that day with it when you launch something with the video it really amplifies its its usage and that did really well and then also if you go to our our website epicmedia.com epiqmedia.com slash commercials there's one we just did for a company called Nishex that i think is really funny it, it's it's it takes the shipping industry and kind of turns it into this like sports newscaster sort of thing and there's even like a a section of it at the beginning that that was inspired by that that scene from queen's gambit where they're like moving the chess pieces and it's really intense and i thought that was just so it's almost comedic because there's nothing intense about moving chess pieces and i kind of felt like it was that same sort of feel and so i really had a fun time making that one and so those mm. are the three b2b and then if you're looking for something really fun one of my most recent projects that I had a blast working on was Weird Little Flute for SNL. <laughs> so if you want to check that one out, that one is totally different. It has nothing to do with B2B marketing. It's just really weird and really funny. And we got some really cool shots. Yeah. Oh, man, that, that's amazing. What, how did mm -hmm. that, um, just kind of curious for, yeah. for SNL, like not everyone gets an opportunity like that. Like how'd that come about and sort of what was like the, the objective with that project? Yeah. So SNL, they always have, they have just like tons of sketches they need to do each week. And, and there's, there's one particular group of SNL called the film unit. And those are the ones that are just like the highly produced ones that they do beforehand that airs the day of. And oftentimes they need production people with really specialty skills. We do a lot of work with robots and because of the commercial work that we've done actually, that stood out to them as, oh, these guys know how to get these particular shots and they're gonna really know how to execute on this visually to really get the story across and get the comedy across with this specialty technology. And so, you know, just a friend of a friend had reached out and said, hey, like, do you think you can come and, and shoot SNL for us this week? And, and we said, yeah, <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> of course. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love that. It's starting to wrap up here, but what's something that you bought recently? Can you walk me through that experience kind of doing like a, you know, we'll do like a reverse jobs to be done kind of customer journey interview? Yeah. So recently, there's two things that I bought recently. The first one is I think it's called Smart Suites. I almost never buy anything from Instagram ads. Like I usually look through them to, to see like, 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 okay, is this an ad that maybe I'd want to re replicate? Is this something I would take for my swipe file? But I, I very rarely buy things, but I bought these things called Smart Suites. And I think it was just because they had an amazing headline and it was just very colorful and it popped. And it was something along the, I can't remember exactly what it was. I didn't get a chance to get a screenshot of it, but it was something along the lines of like sweets that is something like you don't have to feel bad about eating these. And like, that was my whole, my whole relationship with candy lately, right? It's like we're in quarantine. My motion and movement has been limited. I've gained a couple pounds, but I really have a sweet tooth and I really like candy. And the way they sort of positioned it in one sentence in a headline about, about, like sweets you don't have to feel bad about i was like i'm gonna click on that and then i bought it <laughs> another thing That's that great. i got this one's a really funny story is so i i do some work for privy naturally you know dave's the cmo and then connor gross who was who was a product mark he was doing product marketing at privy for a little while he actually just left to run his own company because he is absolutely incredible he was doing these youtube videos 
and these walkthroughs of products based on their their websites and like who like which which e-commerce products have the best websites and there was one called magic mind and as i was editing the video about how great the website was and all these things that would make you want to buy the product i actually went to the website and bought the product because i thought the website was so good <laughs> and it was actually that piece of content from privy that made me buy that product and then the the third thing and i think this is something that's very important for companies to to keep in mind is is every now and then apple will send out like a little email newsletter of like books to buy or like products to buy with with apple really? pay or stuff like that yeah and there was mm. one i think it was on black black history month that they sent and it was like here's a bunch of black owned businesses that you should buy from this month and i was like Oh, I'm going to do cool. that. And so I went in and I bought these like vegan cookies from a black owned business. And and I think there's a big lesson in that. And I know there, there was some stuff on Twitter about this recently. Social awareness is super important for your brand. It can make or break mm. your brand. You can either get on board with with really being socially active and and caring about the issues that that the world cares about and and incorporating that into your brand and into your company on a really deep level you can get on board with that and it will serve you so well or you can say we're not going to discuss that here we're not going to we're not going to we're we're, just, we're just, you know we'll we'll do the check we'll make sure we have our check boxes marked off and and that'll be that and and not only will it not serve you well but it can destroy your brand and so that's something to really be aware of is people will buy if you are really actively connected to the issues that they care about. And so that was another thing that really stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah. A piece of common ground. Yeah. Th this is a, a side note, but actually I wondered if you had any interesting thoughts on it. When you, when you mentioned Apple, it made me think about how they, they've sort of like ingrained these buying cycles with, you know, the, like the September, you know, new release of uh, the new phone. And then like, I think they have one, they have like more and more now. There's like, I think there was one pretty recently mm -hmm. with like the iPads, maybe just like a couple of weeks ago. So it's like- They just did, and then yeah, like, iPads, AirTags, like a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Right, and then it makes you think like, oh, I should go, or I was telling my friend, I was like, oh, I think we're gonna get the new iPhones and I'm probably gonna get the new M1 MacBook Pro in oh, nice. like October when the new stuff comes out. I was just like, how interesting that like they have me on this cycle now where I'm like planning ahead what I'm going to buy before I even buy just because they make a big deal out of an event, you know, but I think a lot of us are scared to like make a big deal about a launch or an announcement or something because maybe we're insecure about it. But Apple is a good case study. Yeah. And like, no, if you if you have like this cadence, it's like such a powerful forcing function. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the, like people, you also want people to like, to know when to expect videos from you. I'm friends with a couple of YouTubers and, and sort of what they do is like, they intentionally post a, vi post a video around the same time, like every Tuesday or like that sort of thing. Right. That way their viewers know, okay, Tuesday at noon, I can expect a, a video from this creator that I like. And Apple sort of does that on a larger scale. And then we even did that mm -hmm. at Drift where I think it was like 
the first Tuesday of every month, we would do a product launch. And people then know, whether they know they know, they know to expect something from you and will be on the lookout for it and, and maybe even actively go and seek that out. So I totally think that's a huge thing. And yeah. while we're on the topic of Apple's Apple's product launch, I did uh, watch their most recent like product event. One of the things that stood out to me most is they followed the the don't be the ad, be the TV show method. I'm so glad that Apple is hopping on board with <laughs> with yeah, what we're doing here at Epic Media. <laughs> is with their with their AirTag launch is instead of 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 just saying here's here's what a typical product launch might look like, right? They would say, here's our new product, AirTag. It can do this and this and this. But before they said that, they had this really funny, like narrative style video of someone looking, I think for their keys and like, they like dug into their couch and then eventually they went like underground into a cave and it was like on the opposite side and they <laughs> like something that we all relate to, right? Because we lose our shit all the time. And that's the whole point of the air tags. It's like, okay, we're going to f- be able to find things besides our phones that we lose frequently, like our keys or our wallets or our dogs. And, and they, they started with this comedic style narrative video and then after the video, they had their product person talking about the product the same way Steve Jobs maybe would have when they do that product release and they tell you about, here's what it does, here's how you can use it. And it's so much more powerful that way because when you start with that narrative story that I and with that problem that I could really relate to, like... I'm going to be so much more inclined to listen to, ooh, what can this product do? Because, yeah, that's a problem I have all the time. I can never find my keys. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're really priming you to buy, right? They're making it. They're like, we know that this is true about you. You might not want to admit it. But then, you know, you're really kind of like hooked in. You're like, okay, yep, they, they get it. They understand. Mm-hmm. You know, they're inside my head. And uh, maybe this is something that, that I need. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what you can do for your B2B company. Yeah, it's powerful. That's exactly well, the other, framework. Yeah. One of the other things that made me think of uh, while we were talking about like the cadence was, is actually, I don't know like the right answer here because maybe it's like there isn't like a right or wrong, but I was, I found it interesting people talking about how when Netflix first started creating like their original series, they would just release like the whole season all together just to be available, you know, like overnight, you know, and it'd be like Stranger Things and you just kind of like binge watch through you know through the night right Mm -hmm. and when producers of other companies first heard this idea they were like oh that's terrible and they're gonna have horrible retention and whatever they didn't think it would work but then of course that would just like create this really viral effect and then people just binge watch and then they would go and rewatch again because they wanted more of it but then there's also an interesting contrast to uh like what Disney Plus is doing with with the Mandalorian Mm -hmm. and with Falcon and Winter Soldier and all these series where now like every Friday my wife and I are like, oh, you know, you know what day it is, you know, the new, the new episode is out, you know, and I would do that with my, you know, with my friends around the Mandalorian. So again, I don't know if there's like a right or wrong answer there, but it's interesting that that cadence, even if it's just like a release date or like a weekly yeah. thing really drives attention. I, I could tell you exactly why the two different models work. So for Netflix, right, if they're releasing you're releasing Stranger Things, right? Season one of Stranger Things. We're going to release it all at once so people can binge watch it. 
And the reason why is because no one has seen Stranger Things yet. So mm. they need to be able to binge watch it and get hooked in order to really get into that brand and get into that franchise. Disney Plus, on the other hand, with like The Mandalorian or even like Game of Thrones, too, with HBO, right? Those were already established brands that already had followers and followings that would guaranteed every single week want to watch that next episode. And so it was it's I think it's having that that brand already established that that made the difference between what should you choose? Should you do the weekly episodes or should you do the binge watch? And for established brands like Mandalorian or or Game of Thrones, that weekly episode is a great way to really make sure, you know, you have your subscription until Game of Thrones ends versus Netflix, which is like, okay, we're just going to put out a lot of great new content, but let people really binge watch it because they need to take a chance on this content. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you really hit the nail right on the head. I think that I was thinking about Ted Lasso as well, because my wife and I just watched that and we just loved it and hooked on it. And we managed to spread it out over a couple of nights, but we still just threw, you know, flew through all the episodes because mm -hmm. it was a new series, you yeah. know, and if I had just watched the first episode, I don't know if I would have, you know, really been hooked in to anticipate the next one. Yeah. That's a much harder kind of hill to climb than if you're working mm -hmm. with something like, you know, Star Wars characters or yeah. the Avengers. That's what I think Apple Apple TV, Apple Plus kind of did wrong too. Mm. Like I remember I was watching the morning show and I was loving it. But then I was like, okay, you need to wait for the next week to watch the next one. And it's like, all right, well, I kind of want to just watch it now. And then sometimes I would just forget to watch it and just not, you know, because it wasn't like Game of Thrones where everyone's talking about it. It has that fan base. Like, so it depends on who you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Well, that's an amazing little nugget of wisdom yeah. and, and insight there. I'd also love to take a peek at your personal swipe file as aware of just campaigns, videos, ads that you think are notable. Could you walk me through a few of your favorites? Yeah, I really like Webflow. They are kind of doing exactly what it is that we do in terms of focusing on the problem, right? So they have a, a series of, of great little videos that is just like gets you to laugh at like all these issues with what it is to create a website and and the people involved. Like there's my favorite one is it's, it's 15 seconds. It's, it's this guy sitting and he's like, I know we just like designed the website last week, but do you think we could make it like better like now? And like, it's, it's, and it's really funny. The only note that I would have on that is for their, their targeted ads. I, I would, they have it as like an Instagram story. They should really change the, the aspect ratio. So it's a full mm. nine by 16 instead of 16 by nine. So Webflow, if you're listening, very easy thing to do. You can go and do that right now. Mm. But I think the way they approach telling the story and focusing on the problem is, is a really great one. I already actually kind of touched on one of my favorites, which is, which is the new Apple ad for AirTags. I think that was a really brilliant way of showcasing why you need this product. And I think tons of people are going to be buying it, no doubt. Um, and, then, and then honestly, a nice classic is the old Apple ads where it's like, I'm Mac, I'm PC. I remember as a kid, and this was before I had any interest in marketing or advertising, by the way, like I would go and search those ads and watch them because I thought they were funny. And that's sort of like 
the the peak level to be at is someone is searching your ads because they think that they're funny. And then one last one is Netflix. So, you know, there is a lot of 2020 end of the year videos. And I think Netflix is the only one that got it right. Because mm. here's the thing. By the end of 2020, we got it. It was a rough year. We get the point. It kind of sucked. It was hard. We don't need to hear it anymore. And everyone made these really like droll, emotional, this year was hard, like, but we're in it together, blah, blah, blah. 2020 is coming to an end, looking for, for a better year, moving forward together. And by that point, we were all just so damn sick of it. Like, like, it, like it sounded like a bunch of bullshit, like, like to be honest. Netflix was the only one that got it right. Instead of this like serious message about 2020, because by that point we were over it. We were like, we don't want, we don't, we're sick of hearing how serious this was. We know how serious it was. Netflix made a really funny musical ad that's about, we watched it all. And it was basically like, like, like this year, because of this year, I finished all of Netflix and it was a hilarious <laughs> musical. And it was the type of thing that, that it was even on the long side. And I watched the whole thing. It was a musical. It was mm. whimsical. There were set changes. It was fun. It was theatrical. It brought back what a lot of us were missing from live theater and live music concerts. And it was just really funny and was still aware of everything that happened in 2020. It just took it and found a really fun comedic twist that also related to the brand in a really brilliant way and so that was one of my favorite uh pieces of content to watch in in 2020 man those are those are great i'll have links to those uh in the show notes so people can can find them yeah. but yeah especially with the netflix one it makes me think like i wonder where that idea started and i feel like i've even you know maybe they've been sort of like tapping into the zeitgeist and doing some social listening and stuff but i feel like i saw so many tweets throughout the year of like, well, I finished Netflix. Now what? Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, things like that. And uh, I wonder if, you know, that someone saw that and was like, I know what we're going to do, you know, and then they have this whole kind of pitch for the, for the idea and the concept. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. That's great. Well, final question for you. When I say everything is marketing, what comes to mind? What does that mean to you? Ooh. Oh, everything is marketing. Give me a minute on that one. That's tough. Yeah. Mm, I'm going to take an interesting angle on this one. I am innately, I think, in the core of my heart, I am not necessarily a marketer. I am a creative person. I like to, you know, make music and, and passion project films and, and all that type of stuff. And I think whether you are someone whose purpose in life is to be an athlete or an entrepreneur or a musician or an actor or anything, the most important thing you can do is see everything you put out as a piece of marketing. And, and what I mean by marketing is not is not like don't try to sell people on something every time because that's not real marketing 
real marketing to me is constantly listening for what it is that people want to see and understanding audiences, understanding, okay, what is it that people actually want to watch? And how can I be the person to create that type of content or to create that product or to be that person that they look up to based on what I'm seeing in the world? And I think that is is what I think everything is marketing means. I love that. That's a fantastic perspective. Well, Danielle, it's been a ton, a ton of fun. I love everything you brought to the table. I love, love all the specific examples, especially thanks for that. Yeah. And uh, thanks for spending time with me on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Danielle for coming on the show. Make sure to check out Epic Media. That is E-P-I-Q Media and epicmedia.com. If you can spare a moment, click on the link in the show notes and pop on Twitter to thank her for sharing everything and let her know what you thought as well. All right, and to wrap up, here are a few of my takeaways. One, brands are built by the people behind the brands. This reinforces my theory that personal brands are way more powerful than company brands, but also enforces the idea that even company brands are built off the back of personal brands. Steve Jobs with Apple, Elon Musk with Tesla, David Cancel and David Gerhardt with Drift, and so on. Number two, I love the storytelling framework for social content of point, proof, and action. Get to the point, have a strong headline, be precise, then back it up with social proof and anecdotes and examples. And also don't forget to drive people to some sort of action at the end. And number three, finally, don't be the ad, be the TV show is just a stroke of genius and really encapsulates what Danielle is about. Marketing today is more competitive than ever. And if you really want to st stand out and stick out, you have to go above and beyond. That means creating inherently valuable content rather than content that just piggybacks off of other content like an ad does. If you've got a question or takeaway you want to share from this episode, you can actually do so in the Swipe Files community. You can chat with guests of the podcast as well as a bunch of other top-notch marketers. Join a community that will help you do your best work and be prolific. Check it out at swifiles.com slash membership. You can also get my free newsletter, Marketing Weekly. It's a curated digest of the best marketing content in your inbox every Sunday. And finally, check the show notes for all the important links. And if you could do me a quick favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you are and leave a review so more people like yourself can find the show and help me grow the podcast. And with that, I'll see you in the next one.